Hey, welcome back to the Wellside Podcast, where we are talking about following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. My name is Andre, and I'm here with my buddy Sam. How's it going, man? It's going good, Andre. We're coming to you guys not from the regular one microphone setup that we always do, but from two microphones. We're here with new and improved Audio Technica equipment <laughs> to make us sound better. Actually, maybe not even sounding better yet. We're still figuring it out, but y- you look fancy over there with that with that black mic. This, though. Yeah, yeah. Man. You're feeling like a real broadcaster. I wish now. that we could just record, you know, some video of this too, so everyone could see how cool we are. Yeah, here in our little church studio. <laughs> Eventually, guys, we're gonna have video, but we're still trying to figure that out. We're just. We're not we're not tech people, uh, so whatever help we can get, uh, if you're out there, you want to help us set up video, we will we would love to get your expertise on this. But also, I wanted to do a quick shout out. You know, we had some supporters come forward and help us get some expenses taken care of, so we got another mic. We're going to be improving our quality over the next few weeks. So, thank you for to you guys who who are supporting. You know who you are. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you nameless for now because I don't want to ruin your reward in heaven. (laughs) I want you to get the full reward. But if you guys are listening to this, feeling like you want to grow in your support, um, you can always head over to well-said.org. There's a support tab. You can throw in a couple of bucks a month and help us cover the bills on this thing. Um, You've been busy this week, haven't you, Andre? Dude, yeah. My head is like spinning right now. Yeah. Just a quick update. Yeah. We've we've, We've fostered parenting. And we're, we got our full load now. This past two weeks, we had two new two little girls that we're taking care of. So that has thrown us for a loop. So you just went from two kids to four kids. We went from like two kids overnight, to Overnight. Yeah. All under the age of four, right? Yeah. That's nuts. So it's a full house. Lots of loud little mouths that want to be fed and uh, want to run around and play. And it's fun. It's, it's spending us uh, in a very good way. And also... Um, I'm sure I'll be talking about this some more later, but it's just amazing to see when you lean into the hard stuff and you ask God, it's like Jacob wrestling with, with God, right? He's like, bless me in this. And he does, he comes through. Um, this, it's just cool. That's, it's an amazing thing to see how God works in our tough moments. So it's, it's a huge blessing. It's a good kind of hard. Mm Mm-hmm. So, are you enjoying your summer, getting out, getting some climbing, camping? Oh, I love it. Climbing, camping, outdoors, that's my thing. Actually, uh, my my best friend, Ryan Funkhauser, if you're out there and listening to this, I'm going to give you a shout out. He's running a 100-miler this weekend Dang. down in Paulsbo. 100 miles. It's like a 30-hour race. That's and, insane. Uh, so, he needed me to come pace him for like the last loop. It's only like 12 and a half miles. And it's basically at that point, it's, it's going to be like a power walk. Um, he'll be wow. moving so slowly. And I mean, I'm going to be hurting after that. So, I can't imagine what he's about to feel like. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of that's what's on my agenda for the weekend. Huge. That's, that's fun. You got to see that in Washington, you got to get it's, we're having, we have a new problem. We have a lot of rain in the winter, but now in the latter portion of the summer, now we have wildfires. Smoke. Yeah. yeah, so it's like June is your time to get out and get some yeah, fresh air June before things through, get bad like again. Middle of July, it's like a month and a half long summer. Uh, rain on one end and smoke on the other. It's yeah. pretty sad. It's crazy. Uh, so today's topic is super cool. I'm excited to talk about it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about masculinity. 
Masculinity. Ugh. Yeah, that's kind Those of oppressive a, that's males. A, that's almost a trigger word in our culture. How today. dare you say it? Yeah, I mean, I think that any conversation about masculinity has to also address the issue of um, toxic masculinity that our culture likes to define. Um, Pretty much today, it seems like any type of masculinity is toxic, unless it's very. Feminine type of masculinity or something like that. Right, which, I mean, feminine masculinity, that's that's an oxymoron, right? Yeah. Like, what even, it, feminine what masculine? It, yeah. Yeah. That's not a thing. Um, but we also have to point out that there's a lot of really cheesy content out there on masculinity. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches are kind of awash in this idea. Like, oh, yeah, you have to change your oil, split firewood, shoot guns, and... <laughs> Be able to build a nice deck on top of it all. The classic homeschool family. Barbecue every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, with their, with uh, the, what am I thinking of? The 10 like kids. The, the 10 kids and the, you know, the boys out shooting the guns. Yeah, and you know, we've got to show that chivalry isn't dead or whatever. Skin the deer, son. Yeah. You can do it. Okay, I mean, there's nothing bad with that stuff, right? If, but, if you enjoy that, then that's great, but... That's not really what manliness is. That's not what masculinity is. And um, this sort of macho man idea, it, it hurts some people. Yeah. Uh, but that's another conversation. We, we are getting ahead of ourselves. Let's let's back up a little bit. Okay, so obviously today we have a massive issue with masculinity in our culture. Gender as a general category is just gone haywire. But specifically men and what it means to be a man. What are some of the strands of issues that we see when we look at our culture with regard to masculinity? What's going on around us? What do we see? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much. So going back to that idea of toxic masculinity, um, some lady writing for the New York Times at one point, um, she described it pretty broadly as suppressing emotions and not dealing with personal issues and using violence as an indicator of power. Mm -hmm. And... I think a lot of our issues can be traced back to that. So, I mean, if you're one of the people like me who kind of rejects the idea that masculinity is inherently toxic, I don't think that's a correct idea. I don't think that's a biblical idea. Um, we can at least give some credibility to the idea that there is such thing as masculinity that is toxic. That's sinful masculinity. Right. Just like there can be sinful femininity as well. Yeah. Um, you know, women can be gossipy or backstab. And that's not specific to genders. You know, men can gossip and women can be violent. Right. The point is that there are sinful people and that is across genders. Yeah. One of the obvious traits of the history of humanity is that most oppression, most abuse has happened physically at the hands of men. Right. And our culture, as we can expect, of course, looks at history, looks at things that happen in our culture today, abuse, you know, physical, emotional, whatever it may be, and they use that as evidence that masculinity is fundamentally broken and that men need to become less masculine and more feminine. Right. And they this is so, yeah, so you, you can't be so hard, you know, um, you have to be more, and, and it's a compelling idea because it's masked in half-truth. Like most compelling ideas that are wrong. Right. We'll, yeah, we'll get to true, full biblical masculinity. Yeah. It includes love and tenderness. But but the idea is that basically get rid of all the... Ma- the macho man is overrated. He's actually an abuser rapist. Right. So therefore... Like be, all men are predators yeah, type thing. Yeah. Be, be a... Be a um, 
shoot, I don't know, like the, I guess if I'm thinking of pop culture and like the ultimate, uh, the ultimate right kind of masculine, it's like this clean shaved, extra tan, like tanning booth tan, (laughs) buff guy who wears ridiculous abs. Yeah. Yeah. Like perfect giant. He's like some frat boy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really nice and he's got super white teeth and he is very respectful and does a lot of really nice things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But basically there's this like anti-masculinity going on in our culture Mm -hmm. because, um, so that's, it's probably connected to a broader rise of feminism and maybe one day we'll kind of address feminism. Movement. And that's a whole nother discussion, but there is a a quick excerpt I want to read. Sure. Um, Go ahead. This is book called Institutes of Biblical Law. And I've only read excerpts of it because it's like 850 pages but it's an entire book on Christian legal doctrine in the West. And the author writes that, quote, the tragedy of the women's rights movement was that although it had serious wrongs to correct, it added to the problem. Instead of restoring women to their rightful place of authority beside man, women's rights became feminism. It put women in competition with men. It led to the masculinization of women and feminization of men to the unhappiness of both. Right. So one of the clear things that we see around us shining through is that as broken human beings try to correct problems in society, when they try to do it with their own truth, they're only, they're only correcting it to a more, to a new kind of broken and usually a worse kind of broken than before. Right? So the feminist movement essentially wants to make women masculine Mm -hmm. women needs to be strong dominant uh central uh leadership oriented right and men need to be soft kind careful caring um thoughtful um you know so it's it's a swapping okay well if we hate gender distinctions so much why is it that we seem like we can't get away from them why are we trying to make men like this and women like that you know what i'm saying right and the interesting thing is that pretty much every single sociological study, um, secular or not, has shown that men and women in distinct roles in a family lead to a better outcome for the children. Right, right. You, you need both. God's, God's picture in, involves both. I think the other piece here is the idea. So if you don't have a God, if you don't have a truth, then then you actually want to get away from any hard distinctions. You want to blur all lines. You know what I'm saying? So um, there is a rebellion against the colorful variety of God's created order. So like God created different kinds of trees and different kinds of bushes and different kinds of birds, right? And different kinds of humans. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in particularly with the relationship to gender, men and women are different and they have a different they have different roles in God's plan and when you say something like that in today's society it causes people like to cringe almost right because we want to take the beautiful variety of God's created order and flatten it out um so even if you think about like the angelic world like when you read the bible um, there's different kinds of angels and it's, 
it's just the way it is. Like there's some more glorious and more powerful and, and others less. And you got to ask yourself, hmm, those angels on the bottom rankings, are they like less satisfied than the ones in the top? Like why did God make angel Gabriel like hmm. so, so powerful and then little other guys like much less so? And when you look at God's perfect order, you see that the joy is in the created difference. But our society cannot fathom that because in our society all distinctions are seen as power plays right it's the oppressor versus the oppressed right if Any you're the one who tells me he is inherently wrong because you're you're prioritizing one person or one idea above another yeah if you're the one who tells me who i am and what i'm like what i'm allowed to do then you're oppressing me yeah you have no right which is an interesting thing um, because researchers have actually figured out that when it comes to men not having a hierarchy, having complete freedom or an unclear pecking order creates anxiety in men. And it increases their testosterone levels and causes them to compete and rush in and try to form some some type of order, basically, right. to establish a hierarchy. So that's why like uh, the military you know, has male psychology really down to a T because they've figured out that that chain of command or the corporate world is another example, um, causes men to be able to work together. Mm -hmm. Order is an essential part of being masculine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting when I'm thinking about all this stuff right now, like you look at, we, you have to, as a Christian, you have to just simply, sometimes you know, when we talk about like sexuality, broken sexuality, you have to look at the world and say, wow, this is broken. Like you got to name it so that it doesn't impact you as much. I think um, when you look at our world, pop culture, movies, music, you have to look at it and say, these people don't know what masculinity is. When you kind of tell yourself that, it creates more of a mental category where you are striving, you are not afraid to be very different from what you see around you and you are striving for a different truth, you know? Right. But like, you really got to understand that masculinity is so broken in our culture today. And that's actually because God created men to lead a society with a totally decimated, destroyed masculinity is a society that is crumbling because men are the ones mm -hmm. that God created as leaders. Right. So if the ones that are tasked to lead are crushed and heartless and soft, then you're going downhill. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's known as a matriarchal society. And some people are under the impression that that means that, you know, that means women are ruling the society, but really a matriarchal society is one in which men have failed to exercise their proper place in society. Um, and this forces women to take on this double role, this double responsibility of providing and caring for their children and themselves while also defending against the anarchy created by aimless men who don't right. have anything to do, who have abandoned their duty um, to their families and have failed morally. And the really sad thing is that if you look at a lot of minority communities, um, especially in the United States, uh, we've seen that happen. And like, for example, in African-American communities, um, children living with both family or with both parents in an intact home, it's only 38.7% that wow. live in an wow. intact home. 
And those are the communities in which we see a lot of gang violence, uh, gun violence, you know, in these ghettos. And it's an example of men trying to create some sort of order in the form of gangs while the women raise the children. Yeah. So the crazy part about this conversation is that, and this is such a radically countercultural claim, right? Is that um, if you are a guy listening to this, just because of this one simple fact that you are a guy, you come with pre-built-in responsibilities in the way you relate to the created world around you. So yes. like you, you're you born a guy, that means you've got special responsibilities when you look out onto this world that you cannot escape, even if you're not married, even if right. you're not this or that, that you're a guy you've got specific things you need to know, specific ways you need to respond to the world around you. Yeah. Men have to be busy to be fulfilled. And that doesn't mean just doing busy work, but you have to have purpose. You have to be building, creating, leading, learning, climbing, moving, something productive for your energy, somewhere productive for it to go. And that's just how God built us to lead our families, to drive the world forward, and to do something with our energy. Right. So speaking of that then, um, what, what are the contours or characteristics of biblical masculinity? So there's an interesting article today on Desiring God. I absolutely loved it. Um, and you guys should all go check it out. We'll probably link it to this episode. Um. You know, one of these observations that this guy makes as he writes this article, he says, if you look at the line of godly men in the Bible, a lot of these guys are kind of uh, challenging. Um, they're not... Yeah, sometimes they do stuff and you're just like, ooh. Crazy stuff. They're, they're not cookie-cutter cultural uh, examples. They're not even your average... N- the word nice doesn't fit when you look at uh, Moses, Abraham, uh, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, the Apostle Paul. When you look at these guys and the way they lived, there was a couple of characteristics, right? So the first thing that jumps to my mind is um, it seems like the center of this paradox of being of true biblical masculinity is softness and, and tenderness at the same time as hardness and power and strength and, and, and zeal. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. these two characteristics, um, as fallen creatures, we have a very hard time keeping the two in balance. What does it mean to be a man who is both a servant and a lord, a leader? What does it mean to be both tender and strong? What does it mean yeah. to be uh, soft and fierce? Um, right. Now that's a huge question, but it comes down to discretion and maturity, mm-hmm. right? And understanding that there's a time and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, when you are handling your your newborn child, that's obviously the time for tenderness and caring and when you're raising them. And then there are other times in which we have to, you know, lay down the gauntlet in culture, for example. I mean, today, I, I can't think of a more relevant example than the extreme moral confusion that we face in our culture. Mm-hmm. 
if that's not an opportunity for men and women, but in this case, men to rise up and lay down some truth, then I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. See, I think as I'm thinking about this this contrast of these two sides of biblical masculinity, right? Like you look at Jesus as the prime example. Obviously at the very center of all masculinity is Jesus, the ultimate perfect man. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is a man who is kind and affectionate to the sinners. And Jesus is the man who... Ran into the temple and said, you den of vipers... You know, what have you done to my and father's house? Yeah, literally cleared out a, a football field size worth of... With a whip. Merchants. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just picture this in your mind, the temple courts. That whip must have hit some people. Yeah. Like, it's not... He didn't just whip it around. You know, like, it wasn't like Indiana Jones style, just like cracking the thing in the air. Right. He's probably actually going around and using it. He's flipping over tables. And at some point, everyone got the hint and like, okay... We'll get out of here. Yeah, it seems like when we talk about masculinity, we fall into one of two extremes, right? So on the one side, we'll talk about men Men must be loving and caring and gentle. And, um, you know, this fierce, strong, macho masculinity is just overdone. It's just, you know, it's, it's abusive. It's oppressive. And so we'll dive into this whole, like, we're almost apologizing that we're men very soft and kind and tender. And we, we, we like to emphasize that side. Right. Or we jump into this macho, conservative, strong man, you know, yeah. with his guns blazing, firing his machine guns and uh, skinning his deer. And In the gravel Republican. pit at no one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you... Just it shooting seems, his guns for fun, yeah. I guess, yeah. Our tendency, we have to realize as sinners, is we kind of fall into one or the other. But what I love how the author in this article points out is he says um, the the right kind of masculinity is the, the kind that in its strength, it, it exemplifies a particular kind of strength that carries with it softness. And in its softness, it, it, it exemplifies a particular kind of softness that only a strong man can have. So he quotes Gandalf in there when he Gandalf says to Bilbo, I'm not trying to rob you, I'm trying to help you. And and I, I lo- like that's an amazing line when he says, um, you can only, s- like a kitten cannot say that, a tiger can. You know, so like a man who right. is truly strong and rooted, a man who is truly confident and fierce and stands for things deeply is a man who can be tender in a protective way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, You cannot be soft correctly if you are not first strong and hard. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But then vice versa, right? Like You have to know both. Yeah, you can't be be hard and strong and fierce, and you can't be a leader if you are not doing it with the heart of a servant, the one laying down his life for others. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think when, we, when, when Christian people talk about masculinity, they will talk about one without the other or one without the other, you know, like the two sides of it. Right. So then what does that mean, you know, in your day-to-day relationship? What does it look like to be biblically masculine? What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm doing all the talking here today. What do you think? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll punt that back to you because I, I do have some thoughts here, but let, let's hear, like, just practically. Okay, so... Let me make this observation and I'll let... I'll, I'll, like, I'll, like, what I'll are some what bullet say. points? Well, I'll make this observation. 
as I look at the church, it seems to me like guys are getting soft. And they're getting soft not in the girly, uh, you know, feministic type of way in a sense. Um, A lot of guys are still macho in a sense. They like their guy stuff. But they're getting soft in terms of their internal backbone, internal rebar. Like what I see less and less of is men who stand deeply for stuff. Hmm. So that's a good point. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you can have guys who can go hunting and go climb rocks and drive their trucks through mud. That's all great. Yeah. And, and, and be grilling a steak out in the mountains and feel like a guy. But what do you actually stand for? Is there, is there grit to your soul? Um, are there things that you would fight for to the death today? And are there things that you fight for on the daily in your lifestyle? You know what I'm saying? Um, it, a lot of Christian men, they hide behind external masculinity, which is more like a set of hobbies that help you escape. And although you look like you're all masculine, you're actually really feminine because right. you're not actually... Or, or think of it as like... Um... Like swag, you know, what is swag? (laughs) It's like, you know, a a word used to describe a guy who, you know, dresses really well, looks attractive, is maybe masculine as we might think of it, you know, usually a younger guy. Yeah, he's got swag, right? So that's like our our idea kind of of masculinity. But then you have to grow up and you have to outgrow that. You develop something that we would call class, right? (laughs) And that's, that's bringing everything together. It's having views about the world, having, um, you know, a family, having a job, having actual ambitions, not just looking good. Right. Right. It, it's, 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 it's true inside and out yeah. and it goes deep both ways. Right. I'm not saying that guys shouldn't, guys should not do guyish things. I actually just, I think you know, guys need to do guy things. Y- right. And I even saw guys. that like, we went out with the guys last weekend and just did grilled some steak and we had a bachelor party for my uh, cousin Joe. And I saw, I took my little kid along. He, my, my, my boy, which one, Nathan, which one you have four I, now. I took Nathan, my one and only little man. And he's almost three. And we just, we're just a bunch of guys. We made a fire. We did, shot some guns, grilled some steak and talked about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a husband and a father and it's cool to see the little boy. There was like four of them, you know, all little sons. And they're, they made their own campfire and they made, they had their own sticks, you know, that they used as guns. And like just, just running around in the dirt and getting their knees scraped up. Like I, mm-hmm. I looked, I saw that that had an effect on my son in, in a way right. that he was so loving it. Like guys yeah. need to do guyish things, but don't fool yourself. If you're just doing guyish things, that you have understood biblical masculinity, you know. Right. So, where are we missing? Like, what, what, what? Practically, like, I'm punting it back to you. I guess. Yeah. No, I think guys today are afraid of their cult- the culture's perception of them. They're afraid of being labeled as toxic. They're afraid of being labeled as masculine, and as a result, we don't stand up the way that we should. Right. Um, especially Christian men, you know. You look at our, our culture and you see it's become easier and easier for men to abdicate their duty 
mm-hmm. um, to their families especially. But you look at the easy access to sex, for example, or pornography or, um, you know, technologies that make it easy to avoid the consequence of pregnancy with sex, right? Where are the men that are out there standing up and asking for accountability on that? That should be the mission of Christian men, mm-hmm. you know, or the whole abortion um, issue that is just an ongoing cultural mm-hmm. problem. We should be standing up and having a voice on that, right? Right. As women do. Generally, it seems like the the condition that we see in a lot of Christian men is um, disengaged. And right. the disengaged man is the... The, the one that's abdicate, you know, you can have a soldier who's wearing all the gear, right? Running around with his sword and his spear, right? Yeah. But if he's, he's, if, if he's running from the battlefield, if he is not yeah. a soldier. Just because you're wearing the stuff doesn't mean, you Yeah, know? you're deserting. And... Right. The question is, are you on the battlefields of spiritual warfare around you? Are you on the battlefields around you uh, that, that are impacting people's souls, uh, your, your community, your society, um, your church? Do you care about, do you lay down your life for people around you? Um, and do you live a lifestyle that is marked by that? Mm-hmm. So I think the other piece to this whole thing, you know, we can discuss and describe it, but the question is, where do you get the spark? Because it seems to me that when you look at the men of the Bible, the unsafe men of the Bible, and I, again, also, another quick line from that article is, you know, how, how the beaver in, in Narnia describes uh, Aslan when Lucy says, oh my gosh, he's a lion. Aslan's a yeah. lion. Oh, he's not a tame lion. Yeah. So she's like, oh my good. goodness, is he safe? And, and the beaver said, who said anything about safe? Yeah. He's a lion, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. And I think that the men that, you know, and again, that I'm stealing from the article, biblical masculinity is not safe, but it's good. Yeah. And you have to have the, that lion-hearted, uh, fierce vigor that powers men to fight in whatever ways that mm-hmm. means. That means fighting for your families. That means... Um, living every day, fighting against your sin, fighting against the sin of your wife, your kids, your neighbors in a way that shows redemption, points yeah. to Jesus, lays down, you know. So fiercely standing up against saying no to the broken culture and the sexuality around you that calls out to, you know, make you into a tool, to make you to make you into a, a, a mindless, stupid, like Proverbs says, like an ox led to the slaughter, you know, if that describes the man going with the woman who's going to, you know, give him free sex, it's describing a lot of men who are going to the screen to get the same thing digitally today, you know? Right. So we need that real biblical masculinity is not safe, but it is good. It's fierce mm-hmm. in a good kind of way. And another thing to think about in this is that sometimes your greatest weaknesses that you see um, often expressed through sin can be your greatest strengths when you ask God to use them for his glory. And what I'm talking about is so for personally, for example, um, for the longest time, I had the biggest issue with just arguing 
about stupid things with, you know, my family, my siblings, parents, whatever. And, you know, arguing with, for, for no reason whatsoever. And then I realized that, you know, if I have the gift of words, if I have the gift of being able to analyze what someone else says and rip it apart, there's got to be a use for that, right? And, you know, I realized that you can go into our culture today and you can analyze and you can write and you can be a light through that way and take what would otherwise be a very destructive force within your family and use it for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Right. It's how you channel this stuff. And yeah. And so when I'm thinking about this whole picture, you have, to, there's a few components here. You got to have the characteristics of biblical manhood, which is, you know, the meek and fierce, tough and tender leaders and servants, not safe, but good. We need this dichotomous, paradoxical, true lion-like, you know, Aslan-like masculinity, Jesus-like masculinity. But, um, the thing you can know all about it, but not have it. Yeah. What you really require is the spark, the fire from within that's going to make you get up and move and live. Mm -hmm. And I think that piece comes from the glory of God. Um, Right. And the experiences that he gives you. Yeah. Because I mean, one of the biggest things I think you can do to get that spark is to read good books Mm -hmm. about important things that make you think Mm-hmm. Um, but but and, and specifically uh, that exemplify the power of God's glory in the men of history and in the men of Scripture. Um, yeah, the glory. It's like the glory of God has to descend and fill the temple, right? In, in the Old Testament imagery sense, and men cannot be men without the glory of God filling them. There's like one of my favorite. Um, Really cool scene in in Thor, Ragnarok, right? When he... Is it really the well-said podcast without an Avengers analogy? Of course, of course not. (laughs) It can't be. We we can't do anything without (laughs) mentioning like Marvel or Lord of the Rings or Narnia. But Thor is one of my favorites. When we're talking about masculinity, I'm excited to watch Thor with my son when he's older. Because the story of Thor, like the first Thor movie, is all about this. He was this macho, powerful king who got demoted and got his powers taken away. And he had to learn to realize that all of his power is to serve others. That's when he got his power back. That idea is really true. It's purely true. And... And what I love in, like, the, I think it's the third Thor movie, there's a scene when he realizes that his power is not in the hammer, that it's actually, he doesn't need the hammer. It was just a tool. Oh, right, right, right. And he's like, there's like, there's like lightning coming from his eyes, and he's like descending down. That image, when I'm, when I'm thinking of men who are truly biblically masculine men, I am not th- talking about soft, tender Nice guys. I'm talking about guys with lightning in their eyes. Um, Men who look at the world and see the drama of redemption unfolding and who are eager to strap on their swords and dive into the heat of the battle um, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to, you know, to expose sin, to expose the brokenness of society, to proclaim the truth and Christ and his way. You know what I'm saying? That zeal of the glory of God is the only thing that can power you in your masculinity. And if you're a guy who's sitting on your butt, uh, if you're a guy who lives for himself, um, 
you need to be filled with the glory of God. You need to meet Jesus again, in a sense. You need to look at the Bible and look at the God of the Bible who is not safe, you know? And he has made you a man. Um, he has made you as a head in his creation. Um, he has made you a warrior. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much again for staying with us, for listening to us. And yeah. we, we love to hear what you think. So send us your thoughts, comments, uh, feedback, follow-up questions. We're working on some new avenues to get this content to you guys, working on video and all this stuff. So some cool stuff coming up for you guys to keep an eye out. In the meantime, yeah, share it on social media. Maybe you know someone who has an issue with their parents who would like to hear this, or yeah. they know somebody. Yeah, check us out. We're everywhere, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you want to support the show, we've just recently created a support page on patreon.com and you can see the little support button on well-said.org if you check it out. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye.